0: This is Cultural Quarter of an Hour and I'm Charlotte Foster. Every week we will be exploring the culture of Stoke-on-Trent and the surrounding area. Some weeks I'll be visiting events, other weeks I'll be looking back at our history but always with an eye on the future and you'll also hear the stories of the people who make this area just what it is. Culture is all around us. It's in the buildings, it's deep underground, It's in the air and, of course, it's in our blood. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. You may have noticed on Twitter over the weekend just gone that I put out a little bit of a plea asking for help, really, for this week's podcast because I didn't have a guest and I didn't have very much time and one man came to my rescue. He is Alan Barrett.
1: I'm a storyteller, writer, actor, poet.
0: Which one comes first?
1: All the storytelling. I love it. Um, it's not the only thing I do, obviously. Uh, but literacy workshops in schools. And the storytelling, because it's a, a unique skill, um, in as much as many people tell stories, reading a book, but I am the story and I get the kids up, and or oh, adults for that matter, it depends where I am, um, and, and they become part of the story. And then I do something. <clears throat> Excuse me. Called uh, story in five words, which I um, I invite them to give me five words, and we make a story upon the spot, and I engage them. You know, so it's it's all that kind of thing, and they they love doing that because it's their imaginations too. It becomes their story, not just mine. So, you know, uh, yeah, the storytelling first. I, I write, I write constantly. I write for other people. Obviously, I'm commissioned to write, um, but I also um, edit. I run a ad hoc proofreading service for those who know that i'm a writer and i never charge for that i should really but, but they're friends so i don't bother um i don't do so much acting these days but i i still get involved now and then and i love to pass the skills on in drama workshops and poetry i constantly write poetry so you know especially haiku So
0: yeah last year it was a haiku a day wasn't it
1: it was indeed yeah it was part of the uh, city culture bit and I knew I couldn't, because of work, I couldn't be as involved as I would have loved to have been. Uh, so many other people were. So I set about writing a daily haiku, because on Twitter, that's what it lends, it's because it's a short poem. For those of you who don't know, I'll do the technical part now. Haiku is Japanese poetry. We have proverbs, the Japanese have haiku. And it is in three lines, with a total of 17 syllables. Five in the first, seven in the second, five in the third. And haiku poetry lends itself perfectly to Twitter because of its limited character length. And I did this daily haiku, uh, and I've put them into a book. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. This is from the 6th of June, uh, 2017. And this is haiku poetry. 2021. We are in it to win it. Qui audet vincet. Which means, who dares wins. And the following day, Feather falls gently. A silent donation joins others on my hat. I was walking down the, the, uh, the river when I saw it. On the 8th, oh, yes, of course, the great election, general election, wasn't it? Voting was fought for. Please respect the past and vote for all our futures. And then on the 9th, after all the, the ramifications, politicians know that pride comes before a fall. But rarely pay heed. And then I've s I've suffixed that with oops. <laughs> I was I made my mind up quite early on that I, if I could get through the year and there was no certainty of that because of work, um then and, and write them all, then I would publish them and I would uh sell them to the general public and make money for a couple of local charities. I'm taking not a penny from this. Um, the Peter Pan Special Needs Nursery. I already do quite a lot of work for them. They're lovely people, based up in Wolverston, and it's the only special needs nursery in well, good grief, forty odd miles. Uh, and they're a charity. They need lots of money to run. Um, so I thought, well, yeah, I am going to raise some money for them. And the Alice Charity. I have a family member who was helped. I didn't know a lot about the Alice Charity apart from doing the Santa Run for them. I didn't know a lot, a lot about them, uh, but I have seen firsthand how wonderful they are with particularly with with um battered women and you know and they put families back on their feet they're incredible uh services that that lead to not just while they're doing it but after the after the service you know that the support uh, ongoing support while they're um while you're settling into your new home whatever uh, so the idea is to sell i'd, I'd like to make a thousand pounds for each charity if i could um, which would be wonderful. Uh, so, yeah, that's the point, really. I, 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 it's called 365 Days of Culture. Well, actually, hashtag 365 Days of Culture. Um, wasn't my hashtag. I, I think, I, I can't remember now. Talking. I think it might have been Anna Francis who came up with that one. But it, it was published under that every day and daily haiku, so, yeah. And I'm going to have a picture of a duck on the front. <laughs> hey up duck.
0: We can't escape the duck, we?
1: Well, we've just been down to see my granddaughter. She was just turned one on, yesterday. And uh, we've just been down to see her. And I'm determined to teach her to say, and call everybody duck.
0: <laughs> How hard was it to come up with a daily haiku?
1: Um, some days, actually they just flow off here you. You, know, you, you can write 10 other days it's it, because there's nothing happening or because you're tired or because uh there's so many other things going on it's difficult to pinpoint one thing um but yeah i managed i missed it funnily enough i missed the first four days i was laid up to the eyeballs i couldn't see a screen to, never mind right or anything uh, my eyes were streaming but i caught up and it did nearly 400 in the end but coming up with a haiku isn't difficult coming up with a good haiku that's the hard part you know so and i'm quite hard uh, a personal critic you know I, i'm quite hard on myself so yeah uh, but yes I, I i thoroughly enjoyed it it was good fun
0: how important was it for you to get involved in the culture bid
1: oh very I, regardless of, of i mean i've got some issues with the council everybody they're well publicized um but it's massively important that the the city bid for it. Even if we didn't win it, and we, obviously we didn't win it. It's massively important the, the city bid for it because I wanted to be. I've always shouted for the city. I've shouted for the town where I live. I've, I've, I've wherever I've gone as a touring actor, I've told people what a wonderful place my city is. Stoke, Stoke is full of pop. This isn't full of pop banks actually. There's only forty something left. No, it's not full of pop banks, and it's not a dirty, smoky, horrible place anymore. And we've got a Premiership football team now. Um, you know, and we, uh, it's not the historical dive that it, you know, people have portrayed it as, particularly in the media. I have to say. So I've always promoted the city, and so yes, it was it massively important that I got involved, uh, and I showed people that there's another side because I I know my reputation is of uh, being a critic, but I, there's another side to me. There's as many sides to everybody. And promotion of the city is a massive issue for me. Um, so, yes, it was very important that I got involved, and, and positively. This, there's one or two political haiku in there which, which point fingers at people um, without naming names, um, but it, it, nonetheless, that is part of our culture, that we do have our wonderful heritage. We have our incredible parks, and we've got the River Trent, and the canals, and the history that belongs to those with James Brindley and people like that. Uh, but we also have the politics of the city and, and the politics of the nation and and uh, there's a couple of haiku in there that involve things outside the city like the Manchester Arena atrocity and Grenfell uh, so you know we are not immune just because we live somewhere else we're not immune to being uh, upset and having strong views about those kind of things so uh, yeah that's part part of culture generally
0: As a storyteller what do you think the story of this city is?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, I suppose, really, uh, see, originally we were just a, uh, um, an area of countryside with beautiful uh, views and the Trent and whatnot, and then they discovered two things, clay and, more important, coal. And so industry came here, uh, and the story of our, our city is that we, we grew from very humble beginnings into being a worldwide power and, and uh, oh, Smoky Stoke. I hate this negative feeling about the industrial past. We produced items of incredible beauty here. And just because we're working class people for the most part doesn't mean that we don't recognise beauty. And we've seen it. I'm not a Clarice Cliff fan, but look how much her, mon- her stuff goes for. Wedgwood. I mean, the Wedgwood vase that was a national outcry that it might be sold. And the money was raised. Um, we, we've got uh, the Royal Dalton collections, we've got Spode, I mean, the, the, the Spode Museum, if you've not been to the Spode Museum, go, it's a fabulous place. Dudson, a very tiny museum in, in Hanley that's forgotten about. Beautiful pieces of work. And then, of course, we've got the Potters Museum, and we've got our industrial heritage. All that's there, and we rose from nothing, literally from the earth, from mud, and we are now world-renowned. Uh, and we've kind of lost away a little bit because of the advent of um, uh, outsourcing to places like the Philippines. And, and you know, but people have rediscovered the beauty of, of pottery and uh, our industrial past. And we've got the coal mining and we've got the unions, and we've got there's so much more. And the story of our, our city seemed to have in the 80s and the early 90s seemed to have, well, that's it, you know, the chapter's closed. but it hasn't. We've just taken it. like like the seasons change, you know. In winter nature takes a breath. Well we've had a bit of a breath. Now we're on research and we're growing again. So that's the story of our city. We are a story in, in a city in transition, I suppose, um but growing and, and growing creatively. Yeah.
0: How important is it that we don't lose the art of storytelling?
1: Oh, flipping neck. We, ne- we were never going to... lose. I always tell children when I'm in a school, I say, well, boys make the best storytellers, and the girls go, what? I say, because we tell the most fibs. Ah, right, okay. And they do. And, and you know, well, you, you're a woman, you may have been lied to many times, I'm sure, by different blokes uh, for, for a variety of reasons. But storytelling is massively important. What you have for breakfast is a story. You know, what happened to you last week? It's a story. And storytelling, it, all storytelling does is take, like a good comedian... Takes an ordinary situation and weaves something around it, and if you look at the, the all the cultures of the world, and, and I've have to read a massive amount as you can imagine, they've all got a Cinderella story, they've all got a Hansel and Gretel story, they've all got goodies and baddies, you know. And so, yes, it, it is. It, it it's it's in, well, put your teeth in, suspending disbelief. And yes, it is massively important to, to, to be a good storyteller. And it's on the rise, which is wonderful. Uh, the Staffordshire Storytellers Association uh, is in, um, meets in Stafford once a month. Uh, unfortunately, I, because of work, I haven't been able to go for several months. But they always have guests, people like people, Chan, Peter Chand. Incredibly good man. Getting an interview with him, he's fabulous. Um, uh, and uh, Anna Lyons, the, the great, great storytellers. Uh, and I'm never going to stop telling stories. And having grandchildren now. It's fabulous, because I don't even need a book.
0: <laughs> and when it comes to poetry, that's something that you have to do?
1: It is. I I, was, I went to an all-boys grammar school, and that's not to brag, it's just a fact, and uh, I had a wonderful English teacher, who I still meet up, we married a friend of ours. Uh, a great, great man, and he instilled in me a love of language. But at school, because it was the curriculum of the time, there was nothing past 1880, no women. Oh, my goodness, no, no women. What? Never, never, never. Um, and it was all old stuff. And so it was like learning another language, you know, Shakespeare and people like that. So I kind of lost interest. And then I discovered, oh, my goodness, in my early 20s, I discovered the beat poets, Ginsburg and people like that, Bob Dylan. And, and whilst I th- Ginsburg was the first, but he certainly wasn't the best, Um I should say that in my opinion. Uh, But from there, it developed my interest. And then I discovered the war poets. Sassoon and Brooke and Wilfred Owen and people. Wow. Wow. And that opened my eyes. And that's when I realised, actually, I like this. And so I started to write. Very poor poetry. I've kept everything. I've kept everything I've ever written. And even the rubbish that I've written, and there's been a lot of that, has a good idea and so you whilst it was poorly written then I can take that idea and do it better now more experienced uh, and I think that's really really important that we, we don't lose the uh, the tripe <laughs> 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 because because the ideas are still there uh, and and you know the better you get at it then then uh, you can still put those things out there Um this I mean you've got the modern poets I'm, I'm not a great lover of slam poetry but I've got a, a lot of good friends who are slam poets Um and there are those who who prefer only humour. Good, good friends who who dealt, deal deal just it doesn't matter as long as you're writing. Who cares? Yeah.
0: What's your favourite thing to write about?
1: Oh my goodness, probably politics. Uh, damn if I'm truthful, you know. I like to. Write, I've got. I've written a lot of children's poetry because uh, children children are fascinated by bodily functions. So I write a I write a lot of things about farting and stuff like that. Um, But politics, because with politics, you can be savage without swearing. You don't have to call people names. You can uh, you know, liken them to things like dead wood and uh, rootless trees and stuff like that. So, yeah, politics, because I can be really, really, I can be extremely sarcastic, which I think, I don't know if it's a stokey trait or it's an adult, but sarcasm seems to be the stock in trade, doesn't it? But I could be really sarcastic and, uh, and and savage, but get the point across. and I don't have to name names, I don't have to swear. You know, so politics.
0: Do you ever think you go too far?
1: Linda's. <sighs> <Lynn does. laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I, I think sometimes I could be more subtle. But no, I I don't. Uh, I I uh, I wrote wrote a poem that also works as a song called uh, "The Business of War," and uh, it, it's it's not just about it. The thing is, war's big business because people sell weapons; they sell to both sides, or so it's, it's called the business of war. And it blames uh, the the poem. It's a satirical look. It blames you and I. For being mugs basically you know um but the the, the obviously the hidden message is there's, there's no there's no substitute for the, the evil of the business you know it's all right to have saying war is evil yes but wars perpetrated by somebody if there were no weapons war would not continue so that's the you know lynn thinks that's a bit too much but i don't you know Hey and there's, there's another one um called uh who listens to a slave And that's about having to do, I mean, you look at the the zero hours contracts, you look at uh, the non-unions, because the union has been crushed. Um, You you look at uh, part-time working, and and it's all exploited. Uh, But you can't give it up. The thing is, once you're on that treadmill, it's impossible to get off it. And so it's called Who Listens to a Slave? And it's one of the few poems I've actually swore in. Some people said, well, that's too much, Al, because it doesn't apply to everybody. It applies to everybody who was in a position to be exploited, and that happens to all of us.
0: Once again, I've got to say a big thank you to Alan. He really got me out of a hole this week. Not going to lie. Sometimes, you know, life just happens, doesn't it? Let me know what you are up to. Let me know what other stuff is going on around Stoke-on-Trent and North Staffordshire. I am always happy to hear from you. Really love it when you get in touch and tell me what's going on because I've only got one pair of eyes and one pair of ears. You guys are my eyes and ears. And it's your stories that I want to tell. I'm not quite the storyteller Alan is, but hopefully we can get your stories out there. So always get in touch with me. Social media is the best way, really. On Facebook, it is... cultural quarter of an hour podcast on twitter at cqhpod and don't forget the website is there as well we've got some blogs on there about stuff that's going on it may not always be stuff that's on the podcast as well so you can get some extra bits as well the website is cqhpod.co.uk and we'll be back next week fingers crossed I uh, get my act together and it will come out on Wednesday next week it's just been one of those weeks So don't forget, it's Wednesdays that the podcast normally comes out.